0: All right, praise the Lord. Well, um, remember last week I gave this message to you about how to connect with God? Remember that? Does anybody remember that? I asked a question, a real question. I really hope you thought about this question. Is how do you actually relate to God? How do you really relate to God? Not just what you think you do and, and just sort of the old off the top of your head, but really and truly, how do you really relate to God? Really ask yourself that question. It really help you to see how you really do relate to God, if you really do. Because lots of people, in their minds, they do, but they don't. But not you guys. But there was a, like I said, somebody asked me the question, and it really helped me to answer the question, because I could not answer the question off the top of my head. I had to really think in my heart, how do I really relate to God? How do I know God? Because the way you relate to God is how He's revealed Himself to you. It's not something you come up with. It's how God has revealed Himself to you. And God's revealed Himself to A lot of people in in many different ways. Now, we could all say we relate to God through prayer or or the Scriptures, of course, but I'm talking about how you have a relationship with Him, okay, how your relationship really works with Him. And so, I had this dream, and this week, and this angel was in this dream. I came into the church, there was this angel, and this angel said, hey, come here, and she said to me, she said, hey, that message was really good you gave last week in church, but it went over some people's heads. That's what she told me. And so you need to to say some more on it, more on the practical aspects of what you were talking about. Okay, that's what this angel told me. So first, I'm really happy this angel liked my message. Okay, that was good. I'm happy with that. I've seen that angel before five years ago. She is looks like an old Older black woman, okay. That's how I knew it was an angel because where I saw it before, but that's another story. So I'm going to read this. Let me read this first. Are y'all good this morning? First Peter four seven through ten. A long time ago, I heard my all time favorite woman preacher, okay, who can outrun any man preaching. Uh, Her name is Dottie Smith, and she's going to come to the women's retreat next year. But she will. uh, Her husband is known as a very anointed Bible teacher. I heard them both one time speak, and it was like he spoke first. It was like, oh, man, that's really good. She got him and spoke. It was like, please tell him to sit down next time. Let her have the whole thing because she's one of the people, when she speaks, it's like oil drips on you. The anointing is so powerful. She's a very powerful preacher, very powerful woman, really. And so, But she preached out of these verses. And for the life of me, I can't remember a word she said. I just know I have, was forever impacted by it. It's like it grabbed me. And every time I read them, I go back to that place. So but I'm going to tell you some things out that the Lord's showing me. 1 Peter 4, 7 through 10. It's, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, okay, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love. "...will cover a multitude of sins, be hospitable to one another without grumbling, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God." Okay, so this is an end-time counsel from Peter. He's saying to us, the end of all things. Okay, so this is what you need to do. This is an excellent counsel in the Bible First, I want to just note to you what he didn't tell us to do, what he didn't talk about. He didn't talk about conspiracy theories. Okay? He did not. You know about conspiracy theories, right? If you're aware, there's lots of conspiracy theories swarming in the spiritual atmosphere. Okay? He did not talk about it. Number two, he did not talk about how to survive in hard times. Like, this is how much water you need to save, this is how much food you need to do, this is where, you, you know, he did not tell us that. Three, much to Scott Forsythe's pleasure, he did not talk about the rapture. Not that that shouldn't be talked about. Scott does great on it. But that wasn't what, he didn't talk about that. Okay? And I thought that was interesting. It's not that any of those things are inherently wrong, possibly, it's just focus. Like in the end times, there's things you need to have a focus torch. Those are not the things to focus on. There's something else. And he tells us, first of all, uh, he encouraged us to be serious. Be serious and watchful in your prayers or more literally sober. Be sober. That's really important words, which means to literally be in the right mind. That's what sober means in the Bible, to be in the right mind, okay? Here's what the word, the word sober sober in the Greek, this is important, sofrino, that's the word. It's made up of two words. first one is sozo, which you know means saved, healed, and delivered. The other one is mind. So he's talking about we need to be in a mind that has those three things operating in them, a mind that's been saved, a mind that's been healed, and a mind that's been delivered, of strongholds, okay? That, and so that's, the, that's the, the, the right mindset. It means a sound mind and healthy emotions, since your emotions are a part of your mind. Uh, it implies to act in a responsible manner, okay? Sensibly, wisely, being in control and full possession, this is it, of intellectual and emotional faculties, which means... They are serving you, not controlling you. You got that? They are serving you, not controlling you. That's what it means being sober. In other words, your emotions are not running rapid. You are controlling your emotions. And so that's a really key for us in this hour we live in with the things that we are experiencing around us constantly. And Peter was saying, we need to be in that kind of mindset. We need to walk in that kind of mindset. Isn't it interesting that for a few years now, that's been one of the great revelations that God has been trying to give us, the mind of Christ, that walking in the renewed mind, living from His mind, having His mind, having His thoughts, having your mind healed, having your mind delivered, having your emotions healed, having your heart fixed. Jesus said in the last days, men's hearts would fail them because of fear. The emotions will be so intense on them. I told you about my little thing with the doctor where I had high blood pressure. That's because I read an email that made me mad. You know? Then he later came in, Dr. Lou. I love Dr. Lou. Anybody go to Dr. Lou? Let me tell you another Dr. Lou story. Just, I just got to tell you this. So I said, Dr. Lou, I went to Korea this year. Oh, really? Where'd you go? I said, I went to Seoul, Korea. Really? That's where I'm from. I said. He said, where do you stay? I said, I stayed at Seoul International University. That's where I went to school. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Then he, then he said, what do you do over there? I said, well, I preach at a bunch of churches. What do you see over there? I said, nothing. What do you mean not see nothing? I said, I did not have time. I said, I was preaching two times a day for nine days straight. That ain't right. I never heard of such thing. They shouldn't do you like that. What kind of church you go to? I said, well, I'm was Presbyterian. I'm a Presbyterian. That ain't right. I hope they paid you well. <laughs> I said, well, they took care of me. <laughs> then I got rid of leave. You going back? I said, yep. He said, you need to talk to them. That ain't right. They did you like that. I never heard of such thing. Well, that was Dr. Lee. Don't you love Dr. Lee? Dr. Lou, he's an awesome guy. He's a great doctor, too, by the way. <laughs> Anyways, I just wanted to tell you that because I thought that was a great conversation because he is, of course, he's a South Korean man. All righty, back, back to what we were talking about, the renewed mind. Okay, so Peter was saying we need to be in that kind of mindset and to have that kind of thing operate and for the purpose of prayer. Okay, because prayer is really the thing that God wants to release for us. And it's prayer that will change situations. It's prayer that will influence the outcome of things. Okay? And now that's the kind of prayer that God is calling the church into. That our words have power on them. Okay, your words and my words are not going to have that much power if we're not operating in that mind of Christ. Because when we're operating in His mind, His thoughts are coming and we're speaking His words. And when His words are spoken, something happens. I went up and prayed for David Rummage. Okay, uh, he was fixing to go have this surgery. And I said, David, I'm coming to pray for you because God answers my prayers. Okay, because I I, I have answers. I've noticed that God answers my prayers. So I prayed for him before the surgery. And I said, I'm going to come back after you get over being mean. Because I hear you get mean when they put you, when you go through stuff like this, right? That's your granddaddy. So I went back yesterday to. the check on him, I said, I come in here, are you, are you still being mean? He said, well, I had to bite my tongue a couple times. <laughs> I said, I'm biting my tongue all the time. And so I, I said, well, I'm here to pray for you again, David. I said, because God answers all my prayers. And I thought, well, maybe God answers 70% of my prayers. And I thought, no, the truth is God answers all my prayers. Some of them, the answer hasn't come yet. Okay, some of them, the answer has not come yet, but they're coming. Now, He doesn't always answer them the way I want them, but God answers my prayers. Let me tell you two examples. These are really, really great examples for me. I shared one of them on a Wednesday night, but this is what happened to me. It was on a Wednesday afternoon. I was soaking at my house. I I was going to take a few minutes. I'm just going to soak because I was having an anxious day, so I needed to get that anxiety unraveled off on me. So I was just laying there soaking and uh, listening to music, and suddenly I saw this golden oil come upon my forehead. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. Golden oil is on me. I, Lord, thank you so much for that. And my mind immediately began to think about what it was. And I was like, well, wait a minute. I'm in this new mode. I don't presume anything, I don't assume anything. What does that mean, Lord? Would you tell me what it means? Because I don't want to just assume I know what that means. Well, I laid there for a bit longer, a few minutes, and I never really got anything else. So it was time to get up uh, because I had to come to a meeting here. So I got, you know, got up and I had to come fix my meal because Becky wasn't there. She was doing something else. So I was heating my food up. And I was waiting on, you know, waiting on it to heat and thought, thought well, I think I'm going to not waste this time just standing around waiting and I'm not going to just surf the internet. I'm going to get a book out of my bookcase and read it. So I went in there and I just gr- put, stuck my hand in the bookcase and poured a book out. I didn't look at the name of it. I didn't look at the author of it. And then I opened it up to a page. And this is no kidding. This is what was on the page. This man was saying, well, during my day, I will take 10 minutes to soak, okay, just to soak during my busy day. Just to be still with the Lord. And every once in a while, this golden oil comes upon my head. And he said, and I've learned that it means that God is saying to me, well, I just love you. I just wanted you to know I love you. Just enjoy my love. Isn't that powerful? That God answered that prayer within less than an hour, a direct question to him. That's powerful. Well, see, when God does something, he's trying to get your attention. Okay, well, here's another thing I had. Well, I was having some stress in my life, okay? And I really couldn't figure out why I was having the stress. I didn't really think it was that bad, but Becky sort of let me know it was bad a couple times. You know, like, I don't really like this. Why are you being like that? i was like, what? You know, I'm just, you know, it's all right. I didn't really mean but that. You know how you say stuff. I didn't mean it. I was just joking. Well, I wasn't saying exactly that. You know how it is. You're just going to sort of try to lie your way through things with your your spouse to kind of get them off the, you know, like ease off. And well, right before I went to bed, she said something. I sort of said some small, elerky response to her, and she said, "That is exactly and I am not putting up with that." That's what she said to me. And I decided I was so mad when she said that I wasn't going to say nothing. I thought, <clears throat> I'm just. I tell you, I'm going to bed's what I'm doing. You know. So I went to bed and went right to sleep. I mean, I was sleeping beautifully. About 1.20 or 1.30 in the morning, suddenly my eyes popped open. I was wide awake, and I said, Lord, what is wrong with me? You know, in that state, you sort of get a little vulnerable. What is wrong with me? Why, why am I, what's this stuff coming out of my mouth that's just not right? It's sort of mean and sarcastic. I asked him that question, and guess what I did? I closed my eyes and went right back to sleep. This, I mean, it wasn't like I was worried. I mean, it wasn't like I was up in the middle of the night. I just went to sleep. I immediately had a dream. Okay? And the Lord took me through this sequence in this dream, and He showed me exactly what the root cause of that anxiety was. Exactly. This is the thing. It's like He was saying, I'm going to walk you through this. Now I'm to It's that one little thing right there. That's the root. And I woke up the next morning. I remember the dream. And I said, Lord, I confess that's the root. I see that in me. I see to remove immediately. I was delivered of that. Immediately, that was pretty good. And see, God will speak to people in any ways, in in different ways. But that's the way. I'm just trying to encourage you that we're in a time where we need prayers answered. Now, those those are not like huge things, but we're learning. We're learning how to hear God. We're learning how to, to to catch the things of the Spirit. What the Holy Spirit's saying when you begin to operate in this, this sober mind where God can speak to you in dreams or visions, however He chooses to. I mean, there's many ways. I don't want to get it in, involved with all the many ways he, he speaks. But He does speak. And He speaks a lot. Well, I'll tell you one reason He speaks to me in dreams and visions. It's because I made a decision a couple few years ago. I said... I will go on to dreams and visions and revelations of the Lord. Just comes right out of the mouth. I will. That's part that's part of my spiritual inheritance. And I began to because I believed it was and I was able to say it, and because I believe it, and because I'm making a confession, I have lots of dreams from the Lord. And lots of visions from the Lord. And lots of revelations from the Lord. Because I've just made a choice in my life, that's what I'm going to have in my life. That's part of my spiritual inheritance. And once you begin to to really cooperate with the Lord in prayer and begin to get this mindset, this new mind, begin to say the things that God is really saying, things can change in your life. God is calling us to be changers of situations. In other words, this is what I really believe in. I don't really like the, the thought of it in some ways. I like the thought of the downpour of the Holy Spirit, right? Come, you know, Lord, just pour down on us. But I hear God saying, no, outpour. Outpour. In other words, what's in you? And God is looking for, for people who, who understand that they have this kingdom operating inside of them. And that we can begin to learn to tap into this thing and begin to rele- start releasing that out. And you really do release it with words and with acts of mercy and you know different other things. But words are very powerful in the spiritual world. And God really wants to teach us this. You know, there's a real balance in your life that we have to really come into with God where we we have to become people where we can release what God's doing instead of depending on something else. You see what I'm saying? And, you know, I really want to be careful about that because there's times where we all need help. There's times when we like we come into the church and we are just dragging because we feel like we've got our brains beat out. We're not thinking in terms of releasing a thing out of us. We're needing something from God. Okay? But that should not be the norm. That should be the exception. So you have that moment where you're needing God to really help you through somebody else's anointing, through somebody else releasing something. But the truth is, is God wants us to be the person releasing it. You know? And not only... Into church, but wherever we are. And so you have to start. It starts with your mind. It starts, that's where you you start. You start with yourself. You know, you start working within yourself and, and allowing yourself to be changed and allowing your mind to be renewed and beginning to really get in these new thoughts and so you can start communicating something different for yourself and changing how you live your daily life and how you see your daily life. That, that really is important for us, you know, to be, our, and, and that way we can really pray into situations. I mean, really pray into them and see God do things, because we're not praying out of our carnal self. We're not praying out of some, some fake, you know, some crazy thing. We're praying out of, out of the realm of the spirit, and then you can begin to operate in those those places that where God's given you authority, like in like your home or your business. You know, wherever God has placed you to be an influencer and to release those things. And see, that's the thing that, we, that God wants to bring us into. And so when you, have a, when you come into the church, everybody can bring the level of the Spirit up. Okay? Everybody really can. And everybody really should. You know, bring, bring the level of the Spirit up. Release more of the Spirit that you're carrying to go with what God's doing with the other people around you and you have this great explosion which brings you up to a greater level on a personal level in your personal life and then when you go out there in the world to be able to affect things in the world. I really am convinced that's how God, that's really what God's been doing in our lives, in many people's lives. He's been trying to train us and teach us that's how you live this life. That's how you become an overcomer. Are you all good? I really am just just sold on that. And that's really why I really feel like this thing of being just sober. Uh, There's this thing, um, the Smith Wigglesworth anointing, okay? Smith Wigglesworth, it wasn't just a healing anointing or raising the dead anointing, although they did a bunch. But this is what Smith Wigglesworth said. He said, if God doesn't move me, I move God. That's what he said. If God doesn't move me, I move God. Now, I think, wow. That's serious. God wants to bring us to a place where we know how to move Him. Well, we see this situation. Mm, it's pretty bad around here. Lord, don't seem like you're doing anything. Well, I guess that means you want me to do it. Right? I guess I'm carrying what you have for this situation. I'm going to release it. I'm going to begin to release it by faith. You know, and instead of waiting just to just fall out of the sky for me or, or just waiting for somebody else to do it for me. You know? And I think if the believers begin to think like that and begin to function like that, we can really see some things change. I I believe that. Amen? All right. Well, they said they have learned this. All right. This is something I discovered recently. They have proven this scientifically for any person. The way you think actually affects the DNA in your body, the way you think. If you're thinking negatively, your DNA is affected by that. Think about that from a spiritual perspective. You know, change the way you think. That's called repentance in the Bible. And change your life. So, you see, scientists is really just starting to catch up with what Jesus said a long time ago. Change your mind, you can change your life. And so, that's where it starts at, is, is you know, changing your mind. I wanted to read, do, read this. Are you all Okay. I wanted to read this one uh, Psalm 2 thing, though, because this is something that has really helped me on a personal level, you know, with the world that we live in right now, with all the things that are going on, with all the bad news, and with all the threats of war, and the threats of terrorism, the threats of economic collapse, the uncertainty of everything around us, you know, because, you know, you think about that stuff and you begin to pray towards that and, and really trying to understand how to pray. I've, found, I've discovered that stuff starts grinding on me. I start getting ground by this way. In fact, I start, it starts bothering me. And so I was asking the Lord, how do I do this? How, how do I get a hold of this? And he gave me Psalm 2, and this is what it says in verse 1. Why do the nations rage, and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves... And the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointing, saying, "Let us break their bonds in pieces, and I cast away their cords from us." He who sits in heavens shall laugh. He's he's laughing. You see, when God looks at the earth, He's not like we are. He's not worried about if the euro collapses. He's not really. That's really. He's laughing about it, and and all this stuff. It says he actually says he laughs in heaven. And it says um, the Lord shall hold them in derision, which means a contemptible laugh. That's what derision means, like you know, like you just had contempt and you laughed in a contempt contemptuous way, contemptual. I can't talk. <laughs> okay, but it's, it's how God feels about things. You see, when we, that's, it's, it's telling us. Listen, you've got to start approaching it that way. You can laugh. Have you ever noticed? I mean, sometimes. Well, this can be sort of rude feeling at first. You start praying for somebody and you start laughing. And you're like, they're serious. I'm praying for this serious thing. You want to laugh? It's God laughing. He's laughing at the devil and laughing at what the devil thinks he's going to do. And I think sometimes God just wants us to laugh our problems away. You know, especially the things that you have long labored for in prayer. Long labored for in prayer. Well, that was the, the record of the Bible. The very thing that you, a couple of people, the father of faith and the mother of faith, long labor for in prayer. Well, there's your laughter. Isaac, which means laughter. Right. God really does. God, let me just say this. Sometimes I feel like God wants to say to us, y'all need to just lighten up and laugh some. And, you know, you need some comedy in the church. I mean, real spiritual comedy from heaven. You know? And the Bible does tell us that a merry heart does good like medicine to your soul. And I'm, I'm talking to myself here because I know I'm just old and tense and we'll twisted up inside you know, getting you know, we're going to do something here. You know, we're going to go do something. And the Lord said, well, go do it and laugh all the way. You know, just laugh through it. Well, I don't really know how that works out every day, but I'm just trying to be more purposeful in my heart to laugh. You know, I really am, and I've looked at people that I've that I've watched that have laughed. That that's what they do. They laugh about things. It's like they're they're laughing. They're, their life is different because they have this laugh in them. You know, and I don't. I'm not trying to fake it. I'm saying, Lord, I want it to be a true thing in me. And I'm telling you, if I'm laughing, it's true because I, I'm naturally not a laughter. I'm laughter nat- naturally. Contemplate, think about it. Well, I think we can just laugh laugh our way and The kingdom outside there. Anyways, I just want to share that with you. That that's a practical way to help yourself in the world we live in. It's just really practical and help you stay stay keep your mind renewed. All right, and then listen to this. This is really important. (laughs) Back to that first Peter thing. I want you to catch this thing. Verse eight. Above all things, we're fervent love for what one another. For love will cover a mother too. says, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. See, these are just like the next things. After you get this soberness and you have to get this prayer, then it's the relational thing that you're doing. You're loving one another. You're serving one another. You're connecting with one another. That's really important for the end times. More important than the conspiracy theories. More important than saving water. More important than knowing when the rapture is going to happen. It's having this relational connection with other believers and serving them and loving them. That is important to God or it wouldn't be here. And so I had this dream back in February. And in the dream, I probably shared it back. Remember I shared about the red-headed angel that came in the dream? The red-headed angel I found out later was a wisdom angel. And part of what he was telling me, the wisdom of heaven, was fellowship. Connection with other believers is really important in this hour that we're living in. And so, when I begin to look at my relationship with the Lord... I realized my I couldn't really have if I I gave you the scripture I think First John four twenty or or four nineteen or something like that where it says how can you say you love God and you hate your brother, in other words practically how can you look around your life and see ruptured relationships all around you and you're claiming you have a great relationship with the Lord and you can't really have relationships on this plane, and so God was saying to me, "Is Byron, you you gotta have you gotta learn how to have relationships with people." You've got to learn how to love people. You've got to learn how to serve people. That's important to God. That's real important to God. If you're going to have a good relationship with God because you can't divide it. There's an overlap. Do y'all, are you all getting that? That's why Peter is telling us this. That's why he's saying this is important for you. And so we have to begin to ask our lives about the relationships in our lives and ask God to teach us how to have healthy relationships. Woo! Woo! Alrighty, so there was four things. I'm not going to give you all four. Does that make you feel good? I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. That's what I do when I'm here and preach. Like, well, I had eight things. I'm but I'm only going to share three. I'm like, thank God, thank God, I'm only going to get three of them because you are not Dottie Smith. <laughs> You're a wannabe. <laughs> Y'all don't think like that, right? Sure you do. Well, this is really important, okay? The one Now, remember I said the way we know God is truly the way He's revealed Himself to us. We can't know God without Him knowing us. That's what it says in Galatians. Uh, not that we know God, but rather God knows us. See, that's where the knowing comes in. He knows you, and He begins to say, this is who I am, this is what I'm like. He shares these parts of Himself to us, and then we begin to relate to Him if we respond. Well, um, this is this is a very powerful way. John us uh, John fourteen twenty six, uh, and let me just go ahead and tell you right now. You know that old saying, you went from preaching to meddling. Well, this is the meddling verses here, the meddling verse. I'm going to meddle with you, okay? Because God will meddle with you. He wants to meddle with something in you. It says, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. All right, the word helper there is more literal, comforter. The comforter. The comforter is going to come. Now, that's really important about knowing the Lord, the Lord revealing himself. That's one of the ways the Lord has revealed himself to me as a comforter. Now, how many people in here know what a comforter is on a bed? It's that thing women like. That's just mind-boggling to me. Why do we need something that says a comforter? I was telling Becky, let me just say this. This is, this is the, what I had on my bed when I was a little boy. I had a green wool army blanket. Green wool army blanket. And it had a big old hole in it. So you know where not to put your foot. <laughs> but do that thing and keep you warm. It comes from the army surplus store. Okay, and now we have comforters, downfield Comforters. Well, this is what the Lord showed me about the comforter because I've needed a lot of comfort in my life, okay? I needed some help in my life. I, needed, I, needed, I had pain in my life, okay? Which everybody does. Everybody has pain. And I needed somebody to comfort me in my pain. And this is what the Lord said because I couldn't understand why, why I'm not getting over all this stuff. And this is an illustration the Lord gave He said, it's the comforter thing on your bed. What does a comforter do? It keeps you what? Warm at night, right? But what does it don't do? It doesn't change the weather. OK? So there's that aspect of God when He comes and just comforts you in the terrible situation that you're in, and this terrible situation is not changing. all He's doing is comforted you in that place. And helping you in that place. So when you wake up in the morning and throw the comforter off and jump up out of bed, you've slept good, you're rested, you're able to deal with the life forces that are coming against you. Because you've been comforted. It's brought strength into you. And I mean, that's really how he began to show me that. You know, we've gone through some terrible stuff in this church. You know, and death and all that stuff. And I'll tell you, it was, I had to be comforted by God a lot to get through any of it. I mean, I had this desperate need of comfort. You know, because you know, here you are trying to comfort people and you're desperately needing to be comforted yourself. You know what I'm saying? And and that's when you really gotta find, I've got to find the comforter. I've got to find this comfort in my life. And so I begin to really start to know the Lord as my comforter. As Him comforted me in my life and comforted me in my sorrowful times and in my difficult moments in life, and helping me get through that pain that's in me, okay? Now, here's where you get meddled with. Because everybody will seek out comfort, okay? Everybody in this room is getting comforted in some way. And see, what I began to discover about myself, when I was having a really hard time, where I felt beat up or I felt real tired, there were certain things that I would want to do to get comfort for me. You know what I'm talking about? Well, they had this thing called comfort food. Some people, that's how they get comfort. They will eat themselves to a heart attack because the food gives them comfort. While they're eating, they feel comfort. I'll tell you this. I've, I've, I've talked to people who had serious addictions. I'm talking serious addictions. And get that one little window in them where they would really speak out of their heart and this is what they say. It's the pain. It's the pain inside of me that I feel. That's why I'm doing this. Then they close the door back up and cuss you out. That literally has happened to me, you know, because they have this pain. And so the alcohol or the drugs or whatever it is, they're doing it. It's the, it comforts them, it helps them. See, because every human being needs to be comforted. Here's what men do. You're you're exhausted. You've been slapped around. You've been stepped on. You've been kicked on. Sneak a peek. Right, men? You sneak a peek because you think it's going to comfort you. It's going to help you. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Well, the men do. The women are ready to hit somebody over it. If the husband's saying, yeah, don't say yes because your wife is going to slap you silly. (laughs) Say no, I don't know. Huh? No, I don't know what you're talking. You can deal with me. me and God. We'll get together. I'm gonna lie. Forgive me for lying. No, I don't know what you're talking about. No, Lord, I've never done that in my life. What? Right, baby, i never have, honey. No, huh? God, please have mercy on me. I've lied to my wife. It's a comfort thing. It's what it is. Because we're, we're needing something to help us get through this terrible world that we live in. We need a comforter. Paracletus is what they call it. I love that. We need that Paracletus to come to us and hold us in those terrible moments of our life. And so what happened to me, I began to realize I need this, I needed something. I needed something because I'd find myself in these moments where I would be tempted or I'd be wanting to do something I shouldn't do or think something I shouldn't think or say something I shouldn't think. And I realized it was coming out of a need inside of me. And I begin to get real with God about, Lord, I look, God, something's wrong with me. Something's wrong with me. And God began to talk to me about him like, well, Byron, I want to comfort you. I want to comfort you. I'm a comforter. That's what I do. I want that place in your life. I want you to give me the chance To begin to comfort you, you know they say all these famous preachers back in the healing latter rain revival that had these powerful anointings on them. That they just saw the move, you know, God heal people, but they got addicted to the anointing. Okay, the anointing was actually fulfilling them and feeding them and comforting them, and when the anointing started lifting, guess what they started doing? Drinking because they had that need in them. And some of them became alcoholics. Some of them even died over it. And these were people that God used to preach the gospel with signs and wonders and power. Because every human being, I don't care who you are, I don't care who, who we are, every human being has a need. I'll, I'm going to give you the comforter. And, I, and he's going to talk to you. He's going to remind you of things. He's going to do speak to your heart to help you. And when I began to know the Lord as a comforter, it really started helping me in my life. It really started helping me because you can, this is the truth, you can be a pretty healed person inside. I mean, in other words, God has dealt with you. A lot of your issues are dealt with. But you're going to walk out the door in a world that's launching everything they can against you. There's devils out there. They're coming after you. There's bad things are being said. You're going to take things wrong. You're just going to find yourself in these jams. And it's hurtful. People hurt. They need this comforter, this person to come to them and help them. Sometimes, at the end of the day, sometimes in that moment, like, please help me, because this is painful. And so, that's one of the ways that I'm getting to know the Lord as my comforter. He he's comforts me. And what that does is also freeing, because it frees you from having to do other things or feel like you have to do other things to comfort you. And I believe we you know, when a person is when a person who's addicted to say alcohol or to drugs or something like that, or even to pornography, or cigarettes, or whatever it is, okay, you see you got a lot of there's a lot of other issues that are created, you know, besides that need for comfort. There's healing in their minds, you know, there's things that have to be fixed inside of them. Okay, but I think if we could help people come in to know... And see, that's what I'm saying, releasing what's in you. If you've got that, you can begin to release that yourself to people where you're, you're being like the comforter. Not that you are, but the comforter himself is coming out of you just to, to comfort people. I told you about my greatest thing. Okay, did I tell you about this? I'm running out of time, but I want you to know this. This was the one test I felt like I couldn't overcome in my life as a pastor. The one thing, it was like this is the thing that's going to take me out. And it really almost took me out. It's like, I can't do this one thing. This is what it was. When people needed somebody the most, in their darkest, tragic moment, I never felt like I could do it. I thought, I can't do this. I don't have nothing to say. I need somebody to help me. Now I've got to go talk to them? I've got to go there to be for them, Lord? Are you kidding me, Lord? I'm, des- I'm devastated. How am I going to do this? And so I always felt just absolute, I've told you this before, haven't I? Inadequacy in myself to the point where it's like, you know what? I've got to quit being a pastor over this. I've got to quit being a pastor because people need, they need that. Well, that was like the last test, you know, the last test that God had for me. And this, but this is what happened. See, God will tell you the answers to the test if you'll if listen Whenever you go through a test in your life, He always gives you the answer to it. I found this out about God. Well, this is what happened. It happened in July. I know I've told you this, but it happened in July. I was sitting on an airplane at night flying to South America. It was late, like 12. And I was sitting there in a seat. There was nobody in the seat with me. There was nobody around me. And I felt the Lord come to me. And I felt the Lord sit down in the seat beside me. And it was like, okay, the Lord's here. What are you going to say? And guess what I heard? Nothing. I heard nothing. I heard nothing. I heard silence. I heard silence. I heard silence. I heard silence. But this is what He was doing. He was comforting me. You see, at that moment I realized, I ain't going to say nothing. If God can come and sit down beside me, And comfort me without saying a word? How deluded could you get? If He could do that, He could just come and you just know, He's just there. He's just there. And that's what the Lord says. That's the answer. Just be there. Just be there. That's all you've got to do. Just be there. You don't have to say a word. If you're there, I'm there. And so I didn't come home and say, You know what? Y'all need to start looking for another pastor because I'm done with it. Because I was at that point in my life, I was done. I can't do this no more. I've, I've had it. And it was that one thing. It was just that one little thing that I couldn't figure out how to get there. And that's when I begin to discover not only the comfort of, what, you know, the whole, whole thing. You know, the Lord's my shepherd, all that. But see, God really wants us to know Him. You know, He really wants to. You and me to know him in those painful moments. It's a cold night. Thank you for that comforter. Why didn't you take the cold away? Well, that's not what's that's that's another thing, that's another deal. Just receive the comfort. You'll feel good. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lord.